Uh, obviously, extremely disappointed in the outcome uh, of Saturday. Um, you know, we, we, that was a game I think all of us expected to win, not that we don't, all of them, but, um, and despite playing so poorly offensively for most of the game, uh, still had a chance to win it in the end, and uh, credit to Iowa State. Um, you know, they made many, many more plays uh, on both sides of the ball uh, than we did. And um, so I'm sure you want to know where where do we go from here? Um, you know, we, we've still got um, a bunch of seniors uh, in that locker room that have uh, bled, sweat, and cried for this, this program. And um, uh, we owe it to... Um, be determined to to correct the mistakes that were made um, and do our best uh, to go 1-0 uh, against Baylor this week, a, a top 25 team, and deservedly so. Um, and that's, you know, again, 18- uh, to 22-year-old kids are, are, are pretty resilient, um, and they're all competitors. And... Um, they understand that we've got a game to play th this week uh, uh, against an in-state opponent that's only lost one game and that was by three points last week um, so they understand uh, the difficulty that, that lies ahead of them and um, you know pretty somber around the the uh, facility yesterday as as it should be uh, when when you lose but um after we watched the film and uh got coached up and uh you know we, we had a, a a pretty uh on point practice uh yesterday and so um you know the, the thing that you know we have stressed to them you know, you're not ever going to be defined um, by when you get knocked down. You're always going to be defined by how you get back up uh, when you do get knocked down. And so uh, this will be a good challenge for us uh, to see what we're made of uh, in terms of responding uh, to being knocked down. Um, I do want to clarify something. It's been eating at me for two days and um you know brian you had asked me post game about being out coached and i had taken that to be you know hey were we fooled were we were we um uh tricked duped whatever it is and and i didn't feel that way but when you lose a game any game you're out coached um and so i i do want to clarify um kind of the context of, of what I understood that question to be and um, but anytime you lose a game um, you're out coached uh, and from player execution that's our job to get them executed well to play calls to play um, tendencies to you name it um, all of it uh, is is on us uh, injury update uh, Anthony Cook uh, does have a tibiofibular sprain, uh, very similar to what 
uh, Caden Stearns had, so he is listed as doubtful. Colin Johnson uh, still listed as doubtful uh, with the, the hamstring. Uh, the good news is uh, Junior Angilau was back at practice yesterday. Uh, you're talking about a guy that uh, returned to practice eight days after a grade two MCL sprain. Um, so if you you want to look for a tough SOB on our team, uh, you know, we've, we've got a lot of them, but uh, Junior Angelao certainly is one of them. Uh, remarkable what he was able to do uh, and the time and commitment he put in uh, to his um, rehab uh, because it, it means that much to him uh, to be out there with, with his teammates uh, fighting. Uh, to get a win this week. Questions? Coach, um, after watching the film, uh, what did you see about the, the, the run game for it to, to disappear like that, and what do you have to tweak or change going forward? Uh, <laughs> you know, we, we had hats on hats for the most part, um, and, and we did you know, early in the game, you know, against a defense like that structurally, you know, five yard, seven yard games are, um, they're good runs. And, uh, you know, the, the issue was uh, we had sprinkled in there way too many TFLs early. And um, uh, some of those were communication issues uh, in terms of who we were blocking. And then some of those were, uh, fundamental issues with with how we were we were blocking it, um, and so uh, you know I think you know you you saw a, a unit offensively that that couldn't um, get out of its own way, um, you know, with some a bunch of self-inflicted wounds that um, you know it was not anything that we had not practiced um you know the the, the coverage adjustment the, the the biggest coverage adjustment they made was uh with their sam linebacker number 23 and kind of where he was playing and and where the what we call the joker uh i think it was 33 in 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 their game had been number 12 uh part of the season uh, they were really doing a good job trying to take the bubbles away from from Devin. Uh, that had been uh, such a big part of our of our run game, and uh, credit to them for for that. But um, you know, it was a confluence of, of things. You know, if it was uh, if everybody was on the same page from a communication standpoint, you know, a, a guy missed his block. If um, you know, four guys made their block and one guy uh, was was not on the same page uh, then it, we had an issue or we would block it all perfectly and, and the back hit the wrong hole or the back we got the back to the to the free hitter as we call them and um, you know they made some really really good one-on-one -on -one tackles on our running backs too um, so it was it was a lot of things Tom, can you take us through how the offensive game plan is formulated, like who all's involved? You've obviously got Fedora and Coleman on your staff as analysts. Like, how does that process work? And then even in the 
in the in game with the adjustments, um, you know, is is that I know it's been collaborative, but if you could just take us through like who's involved in the formation. Well, we're, yeah, we're all involved. I think even you know young coaches um, like Zach Coor and uh, Jordan Salkin. You know, they do a ton of uh, kind of uh, deep digging in terms of. Um, hey, we understand that they line up in, in this look 78% of the time to this formation, but how does it change when the back is offset here? How does it change when the tight end is maybe in a different alignment? And so uh, those guys are uh, big for us in terms of, like I said, the, the deep digs. Uh, and then, you know, we, I mean, just to take you behind the curtain a little bit, um, you know, the uh, Herb Hand, Derek Wareheim, Stan Drayton uh, at 7 a.m. on Mondays, uh, they go down and uh, watch cut-ups uh, in the O-line meeting room and try to formulate some, some run game thoughts. Um, myself, Tim Beck, uh, Larry Fedora, and Andre Coleman uh, are kind of watching formations for big picture and you know blitz tips front tips coverage tips uh what are who are they from a personality standpoint um and then coach Merringer and coach meekins they separate and they uh, watch for a lot of uh personnel in the back end who do we uh who do we attack how do we attack them um coverage adjustments to different formations uh, and then we get back together about 10 10 15 kind of all in the same room and um, put our thoughts together and just kind of have a, a round table discussion on that uh, we try to this is all just first and second down um, you know what we call CNN competitive normal normal meaning it's the game is still competitive you know so you're not breaking down film of a 45 nothing ball game with third stringers in there um the field position is normal so it's not backed up and it's not red zone or goal line and then the the down and distance is normal so first first and ten and second and seven or less uh and then you know situationally we we, we look at third down red zone goal line uh and off schedule which would be first and more than 10 or second and more than eight uh, sometimes we get to it late Monday night. Uh, other times uh, it waits till Tuesday morning, but we don't practice that until Wednesday, those situations. Um, and then so you try to narrow down to, you know, I think we had, you know, 12 runs on, on first and second down and not different run schemes. You know, it could be inside zone, but from three different formations and, wide zone from a, a different motion or formation and then uh, you always try to have a couple quick game passes a couple move the pocket passes a couple deep play action shot back passes a couple screens and uh, a couple intermediate drop back passes to where your your throw game package on first and second down is somewhere between 14 and 16 um, and so I don't, I don't know if you want me to get in, in any more detail than that, but that's kind of a typical Monday slash Tuesday morning. Up front, Armour. Um, 
I know you you say that, or you've said before that the only opinions that really matter are those that are, that are inside the, the, your locker room and, and the offices. But you do have a disgruntled fan base that you well, you guys are sitting at, at six and four, and you have a fan base that this will be the tenth straight year where they've had at least four losses uh, within a season. Uh, so what do you say to to those people who support you guys, but are a little bit disgruntled about where the program is right now? Um. Well, they, they have every right to be, um, you know, if they if they are true supporters. Um, you know, w we have not played to the level of our expectations. And um, if you're a fan of us, uh, you probably have very similar expectations. And um, we haven't met those expectations thus far. So, um, you know, I, I guess... They, they they have every every right to have that opinion. Brian, uh, yeah, Tom. When when you describe the breakdowns in the run game, those sound kind of shocking for this to be uh, game ten. I mean, what? Why do you think there are so many issues like like you're describing that sound basic and sound like coaching issues? Um, yeah, everything is a coaching issue. Um, I, I think. You know, having to play your six offensive linemen in there and, and have, um, you know, that – again, these are none of these are excuses. You asked for reasons. I'm, I'm going to give you a, a couple. Um, you know, having two guys uh, in there in the starting lineup that uh, for the first time all year were playing um, those positions, I think um, – did affect a little bit. I think the uniqueness uh, of the defense. Again, I, I likened it last week to you know getting ready to uh, for a defense to play a triple option offense in in one week. It is it is extremely unique, um, but certainly nothing that um, that we hadn't practiced. So um, yeah, and then I I think there's a a level of you know, human nature that kicks in when you start getting frustrated, uh, you start pressing, and uh, those are all things that that can derail uh, the the run game. And, then, and I definitely wanted to ask again because I'm curious about the last drive. Well, having watched it again, um, I guess why I, I still don't get why you guys had such great success. You know, pushing the pedal to the metal and having Sam throw it. Why go conservative there? When, when the run game had not worked all night long, really? Um, had, had we thrown three incomplete passes and let 30 seconds run off the clock, I'd be, asking, I'd be answering a lot harder questions uh, than I am right now. Um, so, um, you know, we called a quarterback run where uh, we had a, um, you know, an extra blocker that, that we... We didn't fit properly. Uh, we jogged tw an extra tight end out to tr try to get another hat, something we hadn't done all game or only a couple times all game uh, and did not have success. Uh, but at, at that point in the game, time is a factor. It is a humongous factor. And we were playing pretty dang good defense, um, you know, to, to hold a team to two touchdowns at home, one of them being on a on a crazy scramble coverage bust, um, 
we felt like time and we felt confident um, you know regardless of how we had been running the football throughout different games in our tenure here we have been able to do that at the end of the game at a very very successful rate you'll remember two years ago against Kansas State uh, we, we chewed six minutes and some odd seconds off the clock this year against Kansas State uh, we chewed six minutes and some odd seconds off the clock and so um, we felt like the right thing to do was to use the clock to our advantage um, and make them use uh, one if not more of their timeouts and and then the third down play um, you know you throw a tunnel screen that's you know you're probably going to be 99 percent com completion percentage on it and you're getting it in your best player's hand and their nose guard makes an unbelievable play to have a zero nose uh, get a pass breakup on a tunnel screen uh, you know that's an excellent individual effort um, but um, no to to use the clock uh, was the, the prudent thing to do um, because again uh, I mean we we, we Three state straight incomplete passes would have been a disaster at that point. Uh, at the end of last year, especially leaving New Orleans after the Georgia game, it felt like you had established your identity, of what you wanted to be here as a, as a physical, the physical nature of this football team. Why do you think you haven't been able to consistently? I know you've done it at times this year, but why do you think it, the physical nature of this team hasn't established that identity this year? Um. We, we we haven't coached it well enough um, you know uh, I, I do think there was a, a time when you know we were you know we were very very banged up um, and again not an excuse um, but you're asking for reasons and I'm, I'm trying to give you the best ones that I can and um, you know and even getting some some of these guys back they're, they're they're playing hurt, you know, and they're they're playing through um, a lot of stuff, and I commend them uh, for that. But um, we we certainly you, you hit the nail on the head. We have not played cons to the level of physicality consistently. Um, that is our expectation, and and that's our job to to coach it better. Tom, I was wondering about your thoughts on how um, Malcolm has kind of performed you know, in Colin's absence throughout the season. And also, do you have an opinion or any thoughts on Devin not being named a semifinalist for the Blitnikoff? Um Yeah, Malcolm has done well. Uh, you know, you saw Marcus Washington start the game, too. Uh, you know, that's a young man with a really, really bright future here. Uh, and, and Malcolm, you know, gives us... Uh, some advantages, obviously, with his catch radius and um, um, you know size advantage. Uh, he'll be the first to tell you he you know he he, he busted a few routes and um, was uncharacteristic of him uh, because he is such a smart guy. Uh, and then the I, I don't I don't know how you leave off the guy's leading power five and catches uh, leading the country in um, 
broken tackles. He's leading the country in third down receptions. And you're telling me he's not one of the 20 best wideouts in the country. That's a it's a shame. I don't know what the criteria is then. <laughs> you know, I, I'm going to have to call the who, whoever the committee um, that deals with the Bolitnikoff and, and so what, what do we... What does a guy need to do uh, to get on that list, uh, at least the semifinalist? Um, but the first I heard about it was uh, on the conference call, call right before this, and shocking is the only, only thing I can say is, I mean, I have no idea how that can happen. On your right, Cedric. One time you've used the term, uh, come out with your hair on fire. Other coaches use that too, which we take to mean ready to go. You've been outscored 21 nothing in the first quarter last two games. Uh, what's the disconnect there, and how dangerous is that uh, going into a game against a really good offense in Waco? Um, it's very dangerous, obviously. I, I think the disconnect is um, offensive rhythm. You know, we, we've got to do a good job of getting our players comfortable. Uh, we've got to do a good job of making our players feel like they don't have to be perfect. Um, and, you know, I, I thought the mentality was, was great. Obviously, you know, the, the ball gets kicked off and, and it wasn't. Um, so we've got to examine, and I think the best way to, um, the simplest answer is get the offense in rhythm, um, get the quarterback in rhythm, uh, and then on defense, you know, maybe keep some of the calls pretty simple so they can uh, get their feet wet and not have to think and, and fly around. Yeah, I know hindsight's twenty twenty, and I don't want to get into what-ifs, but situationally, they're in the first half. Uh, what needed to be different in order for you to send Cameron Dicker out to try and get your first point to the game rather than go forward and forth and short? Well, we, we had game planned. Um, the for that scenario, fourth and one to two, this was the play we were going to call, and this was the look that we expected. And um, you know, we've, we've got the ball in our best downhill runner's hands, uh, and uh, felt like you know we could get two yards. And just like most of the night went, um, you know, at that point, you know, I didn't know how the rest of the night was going to go. Um, had that situation occurred later in the game, it probably would have been a, a much easier decision uh, to send him out to attempt a field goal. Um, but uh, yeah, obviously in hindsight, it was a was a poor decision. Coach, a lot of coaches talk about don't let one loss turn into two. How do you motivate these guys when it's unlikely a trip to the Big 12 championship? How do you motivate? I know you talked about the seniors, but how do you motivate 18-year-old guys to say, let's get out and get up for this game against Baylor? What do you do? It's not harder than probably what you guys may think. Um, these guys are competitors, and losing is embarrassing, and nobody wants to lose. Um, so they're going to uh, – you appeal to – every fiber fiber of competitiveness that they have in them uh and that's that's what i told them in the team meeting yesterday i said if, you, if you've got an an ounce of competitiveness in your your body 
than getting motivated to play a game um, to go one and zero against an in-state team that's in the top twenty-five on the road. I mean, if you can't get motivated for that, uh, I mean, you're probably playing the wrong sport. Got time for two last ones, Kirk, and then Robert. Tom, would you think there'd be a clearer picture of what the team's identity and strengths are at this point? And are you frankly stunned the program's not further along than it is right now? Um, did I think we would have a clearer identity? Yes. Um, and am I stunned? No. I, I, I knew that we, we had a difficult schedule. Um, I knew that... Um, we had a, a lot of inexperience defensively, um, and then especially when uh, the rash of injuries hit, you know, kind of early in the season. Um, no, I'm disappointed that we couldn't overcome those things um, better to this point. Uh, we, we still have two regular season games and a and a bowl game uh, to continue to improve overcoming some of those those issues but I, I would not use the word stunned what would you say the strengths are well I, I still think um, you know d despite the lack of performance on Saturday I, I think um, we can be um, a very good offense um, I thought our, our defense uh, showed a lot of signs of life here these last uh what would it be seven quarters you know i know the last drive was awful i mean gut-wrenching um but again to hold a, a team in their house um to to two touchdowns especially when the offense wasn't giving you any kind of help and then to hold kansas state through the final three quarters of, of the ball game to three points. I think there's a lot of positives uh, that can be taken from that side of the ball. I think the, the defense wound up three, you know, the Iowa State's offense was three of 14, I believe, on third down conversions. You know, we held them to uh, three field goal attempts, you know, kept them out of the end zone for the most part, you know, the first first drive of both halves, and, and, and that was it. And that was the only time they they found the end zone so I think there's signs of life there where there hadn't been and I think um, you know the, uh, we have shown throughout the season especially against good defenses that we, we can be a good offense uh, and we, we've got to get back uh, to that so I, I, I do think um, we have some strengths, uh, and we're especially defensively. We're we're continuing to to build ourselves back up. Last point, in the middle, Roger. Tom. When you look at Baylor, what has made them nine and one, top fifteen? The ability to to win a lot of close games. And obviously, <laughs> they're dealing with a lot of their own disappointment going into this week too. Yeah, I. Uh, the, you know, they, their their season has been. Uh, eerily similar probably to, to ours other than you know they've been able to win those close ones um, they've, they've found a way to win you know 
couple overtime games in uh, uh, in conference play. You know, they uh, blocked a field goal to to win the game against West Virginia. You know, so I mean, they they have they have found a way at the end of games uh, to make plays on both sides of the ball when it matters to to get the wins. Uh, and then I, their defensive front, they're, the two guys especially, uh, 93 and 99, they're, they're guys that you got a game plan for. I mean, they are real, real dudes that um, uh, are, are, are going to be an issue that, that we have to make sure that, um, you know, we're buttoned up in, in how we're going to block them and who we're going to block them with. Uh, and what that allows them to do, again, it's a um, very similar philosophically uh, to Iowa State where they're going to almost exclusively be a three-man front and drop eight guys into coverage, uh, keep everything in front. You know, the vertical pass game is going to be very, very difficult to manufacture. Um, and then on the last thing on that side of the ball, man, they, they, they fly around. Uh, they're they're not the the biggest guys, but man, are they physical and they they can run really really run and and will hit you. Uh, and then again, there's there's eight of them back there, you know, with with only three down linemen. Uh, and then offensively, you know, the scheme very similar to us, a little bit more ten personnel uh, with four wide receivers. But uh, when they do play with a tight end, uh, very similar concepts. Uh, to us and very similar quarterback obviously he's the the gas that makes their engine go much like ours is and um, he's having a great season um, you know and can run around make some plays with his feet and the receiver again I mean uh, again it's like you know just another day in the big 12 with a you know great great quarterback with a uh, potentially all-conference receiver in, in Denzel Mims and so um, we got to know where he's at at all times. Uh, and then, obviously, the quarterback, um, we, we've got to find a way to slow him down a little bit.